Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 7 is over. And it's still over, but we're just getting started because here it's time to talk about it on the Game of Thrones Feedback Show. And now here's the guy who's been waiting to talk about the love life of Samuel Tarly for days and years, probably. Uh, here's uh, Josh Wiggler and I'm Rob Sesternino. I've been waiting a long time for this. Josh, oh my. Oh, oh my, oh my. <laughs> Of all the weeks, you had to not be here. I know. For all the I, weeks, I, you had to I, be on a plane. I know. I I already recorded the Game of Thrones book club podcast with Terry Schwartz this week. And uh, spoiler alert, that podcast starts out basically the exact same way that this podcast has started. Yes. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of oh my. <laughs> uh, and a lot of I can't believe this is the one I missed. It sucked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But you and Antonio Mazzaro, you guys did a fantastic job <laughs> holding down the fort without me. I just wish that I could have been there to... I know. To assess the damage. It wasn't the same without you. We were just like, we were like uh, Maester Eamon on his deathbed. Like, Josh, Josh, (laughs) Josh, go south. (laughs) Are you giving instructions to me or to uh, Sam? Oh, (laughs) hey, this is a family podcast. (laughs) All right. All right. Hey. Uh, that's what those uh, southern guys do. That's what uh, <laughs> that's what I heard uh, from Ygritte. Ygritte, yeah, no, she's uh, she's got some tips for you. Yes, all right. So here we are, Game of Thrones feedback show. Here we are after episode seven. Only three episodes left. There's only two episodes left to the Game of Thrones finale. All right, now I get the joke. Yes. <laughs> Why have you watched um, Mad Men? I'm in. You let me in. You oh, okay. let me in. You let me in. Oh, you're in. Less. You're in. Okay. So here we are, and uh, we are ready to talk about this and get set up for the final three episodes. So let's get into this. Yeah, this feedback show is the gift to you from us. Uh, and there's so much. I mean, this episode of Game of Thrones was was seriously, seriously packed. Uh, I almost don't even know where to start. So I figure we should just start at the end because there was, there was just so much going on. Did you like this? You, you and Antonio liked this episode. Yeah, it was good. It was a episode that ends on sort of a satisfying note, I guess, for us viewers as opposed to last week's episode. Like, yeah, you like yeah, to see like, Cersei like get, her, yeah. get hers, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that this is, hopefully this is the start of, uh, of some stuff where you're starting to feel for Cersei a little bit, but it's definitely she is in a, a situation of her own making right now. And the justice at, at the moment, at least, is rather sweet. Like every Game of Thrones episode, either ends one of two ways where bad stuff happens to people we like or bad stuff happens to people we don't like. And when rarely does good stuff happen to (laughs) to anybody. And and when the bad stuff happens to people we don't like, we say, ha ha, they did it. Great great. episode. And when when bad stuff happens to the people that we do like, then we say, what WTF? Sure. Why did they do this? That is basically the formula. (laughs) That's basically how it plays. (laughs) <laughs> it's a little like sports sometimes your team wins sometimes your team loses all right you understand well, that right i get that reference yes. i know that only one team can win yes unless it's a draw i guess so but there's some not too many things yeah that, some right? sports have that some sports have that but not all in right, game well, of thrones because you either win or you die you don't win or, yeah. or you tie there is no middle <laughs> game of thrones right, well, you either win or you tie Let's not let's not talk about sports because it'll be a very short podcast. But let's talk about some Game of Thrones. Let's talk about Cersei Lannister. Let's take a voicemail from Steve in Los Angeles, who has a question that we actually tackled in the book club a little bit, and I'd like to get your take on about everything that happened with Cersei at the end of this episode. Okay, of course, these voicemails come to us every week at postshowrecaps.com slash 
voicemail. All right. So let's take uh, this question from Steve. Hey, guys. It's Steve in Los Angeles. Do you think that the High Sparrow had this Cersei card in his back pocket but looked the other way in order to climb the power? Then when others, like the Tyrells, question him, he can then play it to prove his holiness? I'm not really buying that Littlefinger talk to Lancel into exposing Cersei based on the greeting he got from Lancel a few weeks ago. Certainly not buying Oliver as being the gift he spoke of. So it looks like he is involved with Faith Upper Management. It's okay to have dense plots like to think about, but I feel like we're doing a lot of thinking PI work to figure this all out, especially this episode. Too much thinking. Too much thinking on Game of Thrones this week. Uh, like but Magnum Steve, PI Steve work? Has, yeah, Magnum PI. Uh, Magner of Then PI. Uh, no, Steve, Steve brings up something that Terry and I were confused about as well. It's like, when did the High Sparrow know about the Cersei thing? Do we assume that Littlefinger tells the Queen of Thrones about Lancel Lannister, the Queen of Thrones goes to the High Sparrow, and then the High Sparrow throws the book at Cersei? Or did he know about this for longer? Because when he's describing Lancel Lannister, yes. he's saying that Lancel is light as a feather. Uh, he could float up to the seven heavens. Uh, and it sounds like he knew, but the timeline's a little confusing for me. The timeline is confusing because you're right that he talks about how we had to really fix him up because he was really messed up and he told me everything when we first got him. So it seems like the High Sparrow knew about all of this the the whole time. Now, maybe he was sort of like he knew everything the whole time and then he like saw for whatever reason, he's like, okay, Cersei wants to give me an army. Okay, great. But eventually I'm just going to come for her with this army that she's giving me. What, what an idiot. So... I, I don't know. But then why did Littlefinger say to Lady Olena that like, oh, I'll give the same thing to uh, the same thing to you that I gave to her, a young boy. So yeah. I don't know. Is this, you know, vintage Littlefinger of that? He's really arming both sides and setting basically the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, why do you have this scene between Littlefinger and the Queen of Thorns if that's not what's going on? You know, like, why why have Peter Baelish talking about, I have another young man to, to give to you, if it's not him who puts this part in motion? I, I kind of I see it as uh, that, the, that the High Sparrow, he probably knew that Lancel Lannister had uh, problems in his past, may have had an incestuous relationship, but didn't need to know necessarily that it was Cersei Lannister. And now the Cersei piece of it comes into, into focus for him. The problem here, though, let's just play this out. Okay, Littlefinger is somehow hooked up with the High Sparrow. I don't mean that uh, in any sort of ill yeah, way. Sure. But he's worried. Let's say Littlefinger is working with the High Sparrow. So w what's the High Sparrow's endgame? Because we haven't seen any sort of reason to believe that the High Sparrow isn't who he says he is. So let's say Littlefinger, ultimately, he you know ends up screwing up the Lannisters. He ends up screwing up the Tyrells. Well, now what? Isn't he going to still have a high sparrow problem when he wants to ultimately rule King's Landing? Yeah, we've talked about this, that the, that the high sparrow seems like a big problem for Littlefinger. Uh, this does not seem like a guy that it's going to work out so well in Littlefinger's favor. Unless, what if part of Littlefinger's plan is like King's Landing is no longer a factor? Uh, what if part of his plan... move the throne? Yeah, what if, what if when he's saying, I want to be warden of the North and all of this stuff, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. Uh, what, if he, what if he's saying he wants to be warden of the North and he's positioning everything to be the king and blah, 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 blah. He's got this vendetta against the Starks. 
wouldn't it have been amazing if he could, if he can raise King's Landing to the ground, take care of the Lannisters and Tyrells and the High Sparrow in one fell swoop, and he becomes the head guy in charge and his seat is in Winterfell. That would be really spitting in the face of Ned Stark and all these other people who've uh, cheapened him over the years. I guess so, but if there was ever a time to move the ruling area of... To, win- to Winterfell in the thick of winter. Yeah. I don't know. I can't feel like that's what Littlefinger wants. No, maybe not. You would think that he would have a sunnier, sunnier place in mind. Although pretty soon there's going to be no sunny spots at all. Uh, what about Dorn? Except- Dorn's got a problem. Sunspear. Sunspear. Yeah. Sunspear and Dorn. Uh, sunny spear. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The the high sparrow is a big problem for Littlefinger, though. It feels like uh, I don't know how he how he unties that knot. That seems that seems difficult. Yeah, all right, unless but- we have an episode that come that's coming up. Where yeah. it's like Littlefinger like is summoned by the High Sparrow, and then the door closes, and they're like, you know, Mike Boogie and Doctor Will in the diary room, just like, ah, ah, we pulled it over on them. Can you believe it? Like, you know, giving each other a high five, kind of cut to the credits. So, right, I, I, I can't really buy that, right? Yeah, that seems it seems out of line with everything that we've seen from the High Sparrow with his conversation with Lady Elena in this week's episode where he's talking about the the many versus the few and the you know the people who are uh from smaller means and and poorer means going up against the rich. Uh all of this class warfare that he's kind of talking about. I don't think that that's nonsense from his perspective. I mean, I this High like Sparrow's he, really selling it, if that's the case. Yeah, if so, then he, you know, give this guy the throner. You know, he uh, <laughs> he deserves... <laughs> he's he the deserves, De Niro out there. He's the De Niro out there. He deserves, you know, he's got a... It's like one of those years when you go into the Oscars and you just know that Kevin Spacey's got an Oscar coming his way. You know, it's like he's got best... He's the J.K. Simmons of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is his whiplash, for sure. Yeah, and interesting, you know, I read an article, I think it was on Entertainment Weekly uh, this week, where... Uh, they were talking to George R. R. Martin and he's talking about how the High Sparrow stuff is really based on the Protestant uh, uh, Reformation that yes. went on in the Middle Ages and the stuff that was like sort of lashing out against the church. And again, if that if this stuff is is just a ruse, like again, like that, that feels weird to me. Yeah, yeah, it feels weird. I don't think it is. I think it's legit. Um, let's keep talking about King's Landing. This is fun. Uh, we've got a, we've got a voicemail in from Tim from Ohio who wants us to kind of survey the scene of King's Landing as it stands right now. Hey, Robin Josh, this is Tim from Ohio. So I had a question about the King's Landing storyline. I, I had a realization that most of the characters in King's Landing are either gone or in jail, and the only people really left who have any power are Lady Olena, Littlefinger, Talman, and maybe Pycelle. How do you think the King's Landing storyline will play out now that so few characters left are free? And who do you think will ultimately come out on top? Thanks. Love the podcast. Okay. So how about that? Survivor King's Landing has a Gabonish Final Four. <laughs> We've got the Queen of Thor- the Queen of Thorns, yeah. Littlefinger, Tommen, and Pycelle. I don't Gendry. think that uh Yeah. I don't think that Edgic would have uh, would have had this as your final four. <laughs> uh Kyburn, still there? He's still there. Yeah. Uh, Did you say Gendry is in there? Yeah, he's in the. He's gonna get there eventually, right? You'd like to think so. Yeah, maybe, maybe not though. Yeah. Um, hmm. He may have been medivac though. <laughs> his his way over to yeah. I don't know what King's Landing. I don't know what's, what's going on out there, but yeah, King's Landing is really at one point it was the heart and soul of the show, and really you know everybody's sort of moved out. 
Yeah, everybody's moved out or they've or moved graduated. It's like your stuff. college town. And then you come back a couple years later. It's like, where is everybody? Everything's so different. Where's the pizza place? It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Where's the spot? Where's the spot? It's gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everything has changed. I got Picel still here. He's still hanging. He's still hanging around. Tom is still there. Doesn't seem I like. I keep getting more. older, but the girls here keep staying the same age. It's great. <laughs> he's having a great time, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But Tommen's just doing nothing. He's twiddling his thumbs. There's nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now both of the women in his life are locked up. So that's very bad for Tommen. Yeah. Will Tommen have to actually go and speak to the High Sparrow himself now that, uh, like, at what point when mom doesn't come home will King Tommen know what's going on? Is the High Sparrow going to adopt Tommen? Oh, that would be a good I'm, twist. I'm your new false. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. That'd be good. Or is Littlefinger going to adopt Tommen? You know, we, we, we know that Littlefinger loves uh, adopting some of these kids. Yeah. And then what would he do with Tommen if he adopted him? I don't know. Send him through the moon door. Yeah, <laughs> I guess make, so. He's going to make the bad king, the bad king fly. Um, hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of Littlefinger and some of his, his foster children, can we, can we talk about uh, Sweet Robin? Yes. We haven't talked to him in a while. Let's take a voicemail from Royd Robin. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, this is Robin of the Vale. They used to call me Sweet Robin, but now they just call me Too Many Roids Robin. Also, uh, please put down that huge axe, Robin. And just recently, they started calling me, that sure is a lot of me, Robin. Anyway, I've been practicing my moves and juicing up something fierce. Uh, juicing as in drinking lots of juice. And I'm wondering if you think all of this training will lead to Littlefinger convincing me to leave my army to retake Winterfell for Sansa? Just so I can die on the battlefield and so Littlefinger and Sansa can rule the North together. Thanks. Gotta go flex, bros. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't really know what more I want to say about that other than I just want the world to know that Sweet Robin uh, is looking pretty sweet these days. Well, what's the thought process there behind uh, Royd Robin? Somebody's li- listen- somebody listens to this show every week and is like, uh, I'm going to invent a new character. Yeah, Royd Robin. <laughs> that's, that's Robin, Robin uh, of the Veil, vale. yeah. <laughs> Robin Aaron on steroids, and I'm yeah. going to call in the voicemail and ask a yeah. question. Yeah, <laughs> and then those good. guys will play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how this works, guys. If you want to get your voicemail played on here, your odds are really high if you come up with a Royd Robin. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, do you like? Uh, will we get Royd Tommen if he uh, if Littlefinger adopts Tommen? Will we get Royd Tommen to go with Royd Robin? Boy, uh, Royd Tommen is really going to struggle, I think, in getting that record. Yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's really going to be tough. I think that's really going to hurt him. I'm uh, just saying. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like a Royd Robin Red Robin burger joke, but mm. nothing's coming. Nothing's immediately Sounds coming. delicious. That's actually where uh, Podrick and Brienne stopped on the way to the north. Is that right? Yeah. Royd Robin. Is that Hot Pie's new spot? <laughs> Royd <laughs> Robin. Yum. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Well, I think we know what the hashtag's going to be this week. All okay. right. Uh, let's let's keep talking. So we've we've talked through Cersei. We've talked through the that side of the Lannister family. Let's go south to Dorne very quickly. And we're not really going to talk about Jamie so much as we're going to talk about some of the people that he is in contact with right now. Let's take a voicemail from Jason Weatherholtz, who has a question for you, Rob, about the Sand Snake. Hey now, guys. It's Jason Weatherholtz from Maryland. And last week, 
Rob seemed to put the Sand Snakes into Nikki and Powell's Tory. <laughs> However, this week, I think it was a pretty cool scene. The question is, Rob, do you think you wrote off the Sand Snakes a little too prematurely? Whoa. Um, yeah, you, you wrote them off before Boo! <laughs> I don't know if I wrote off the Sand Snakes. I believe what I said was that my new favorite thing is that the internet hates the sand snakes. Right. I, I don't believe I said I hate the sand snakes. I said that I like seeing, I like going on like Reddit and seeing how much people on Reddit hate the sand snakes. Yeah. What does Michael Scott think of the sand snakes <laughs> this week? Does he, has his opinion, has his opinion of the sand snakes changed? I, I think he uh, said, uh, Houston, we have a boner. I think is what he said. <laughs> a boner, he meant. A correction. Um, how do you think the internet feels about the sand snakes? After? I think it was a bounce back week for the sand snakes. Bounce back. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. so. What do you think? Yeah, things are, things are looking up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I, that scene made no sense to me. I do. They no want Ron dead or not. I don't know. And, oh, it was a bad scene. It was yeah. a bad scene. I, and does uh, that girl have a crush on, on Braun? And uh, like, like if she did like him like that, like you think she would say like, Hey, Braun, by the way, you're pretty cute. Um, I stabbed you with a with a dagger that had poison on it. So here's the antidote. Yeah. Drink it, and uh, you know, if you like me, check yes. Like, uh, you wouldn't think <laughs> it would be like, hey, here's a yeah. show. Now you're gonna almost die. Here's the antidote. I guess that's like right. some Fifty Shades uh, type stuff. You, you're the expert yeah. on that. I am. Uh, my wife is actually. Uh, but I guess that would make her the dominant and Bron the submissive. Mm-hmm. He's like the Anastasia Steele and she's the, the Christian Grey. Yeah. Of this relationship. Yeah. Or the Tyene Grey. Tyene. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know, but I guess sure. It was a bad, it was a bad scene, but it had it had nudity, so people are <laughs> happy about it. So yeah, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. It, it. Look, things were trending in a bad way. They are looking up. Well, yeah, in a so to speak. Uh, but I, I actually am curious if any of you guys really did like that scene outside of the, the sexy time aspect of it. I'd like to know why. I'd like to know why. I'd, yeah. I'd like to be convinced. I want to hear from the women in our audience. The, the, the yes. unbiased the unbiased women in our audience. That Terry can, Schwartz was thumbs down. Thumbs down. Okay. that's thumbs, da- thumbs down from Terry Schwartz. She had a lot to say. And it, was really, it was very fun. She was hilarious. <laughs> All right. I might, I might have to listen to that. Somebody has to give yeah. me the time code on that so I could l- listen to it. Toward the end of book club, she kind of, and she was starting to go off about it before we started recording. I had to say, no, stop. Yeah. Stop. Somebody send me the time code so I can listen to that part of the book club. She had a lot to say. <laughs> it's very fun. It was great. Uh, this is a, it was a great book club this week. <laughs> very, very fun stuff. All right. Well, let's, do you want to, do you want to talk about Darn anymore? Can we, can we go? You tell me, you take me where you want to go. I want to, I want to go East. I want to okay. go East. I want to talk about Tyrion. I want to talk about Tyrion. I want to talk about Tyrion's big ending this week. Uh, let's get a question in from Jackie Tomeyer, who wants to talk about what's going to happen next now that Tyrion and Daenerys have met. Hi, Rob and Josh. Jackie from Canada calling. And uh, thanks again for a great recap. Um, just wanting to talk about uh, Tyrion. I'm really happy that um, he did not go to a butcher and have a member removed from himself. That was exciting to see that uh, he did get out of this pickle. But uh, Danny obviously wasn't excited to see Jorah. How is she going to react to Tyrion? Does she know that it was Tywin that sent 
an assassin, or will she just hate all the Lannisters? Looking forward to your thoughts. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hmm. All right. Yeah, so she has, you know, kind of this worried look on her face when she hears him say, it's nice to meet you, your grace. I'm Tyrion Lannister. She's like, oh, shit, Lannister. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. <sighs> um. Yeah, it looks like, like, I don't think we're going to have too long of her not trusting Tyrion. I think we need to, like, move this. Move this along. Yeah. And maybe by the end of the next episode, I think she's got to have Tyrion on board. Are you excited that they're in the same storyline together? Is yes. this good? Is it good to have Tyrion and Maureen? Because Maureen is broke. <laughs> we need to fix broke Maureen. We need to fix it. So hopefully we need to, we, it. We need to you know, have Tyrion uh, fix Maureen. How about that gladiator ending? Uh, that, that moment where, where Jorah is really pulling a Russell Crowe. Did you like that? It was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I wasn't like, you know, cheering or anything like that. He was just sort of like going up and just like stabbing people in the back. You know, yeah, it's kind of a punk move. <laughs> yeah, it really was like, uh, I don't know why everybody would think that guy was so great. He's really taking a lot of cheap shots at people. Yeah, he waited until they were all tired until they had all like stabby stabbied each other. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he cleans up. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet move. You think that we're going to see Mr. Echo again or are we out on Mr. Echo? No, I think that's it. Sorry. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's all that we bring Mr. Echo in for, really. Yeah, just the spot. That sucks. A yeah. cootie spot. Mm, well, it's gonna be more Maybe. than a cootie spot for uh, Jorah. He may have a cootie spot now that if he if he made contact with Jorah's cootie spot. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It'd be bad, but we're excited about this. We're excited to have Tyrion and Danny together. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. All uh, right. I mean, I feel like the thing that I'm really watching for is the uh, Dario his Dar. Feud. I feel like that is Dario. Yes, yes, is Dario. Because I mean, even going back to like the beginning of the season, like, and I was like, my my wife is only on like the second episode, but like, uh, but even from the beginning of the season, like Dario is just like, uh, I say we kill everybody. You know, he's really just like pushing that agenda. (laughs) He's the one. He's not wrong. He's really beating that drum of like, kill all these guys, kill all these guys. He's probably right. Yeah. You know, just raise them to the ground and you're not going to have the Sons of the Harpy to, to deal with anymore. Pick a side. You can't, you can't be pro-slaves uh, and pro-anti-slavery or anti-slavery and pro-slavery at the same time. You got to choose a side here, Danny. Just raise the Sons of the Harpy to the ground. I'm with Dario on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also that would hopefully get us to Westeros faster. Yes. I'm okay with just burning Marine to the ground. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> just everybody, we're done. We're out. We're done here. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, smoke bomb onto Westeros. Okay. That'd be good. Good. That'd be good. Uh, how about more impressions? You ready? How about more characters? How about another character voicemail? Okay. What you got? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? All right. So let's, let's go to the wall. And somebody has the audacity to call into our Game of Thrones feedback show as Sam. Hello, Josh and Rob, if that even is your name. This is Sam. Samuel Gamgee, who faithfully walked through the fires of Mordor with his best friend Frodo and never took the ring of power for himself because, well, I'm just Sam, and who never got the sexy fun time Samuel Darley got with Gilly. My question is, with Grayscale receiving so many mentions this season, what's the chance Gilly has Grayscale and now Sam's little Tarly has Grayscale too? <laughs> so that took a turn. That took a turn. That took a turn. That took a turn. <laughs> that took a turn. 
That took a turn straight into the fiery pits of Mordor. And right, right into Mordor. <laughs> it's like Samuel Gamgee got uh, got the Gollum treatment. He got Gollum. <laughs> that was very dark. Gilly does seem to know a lot about Grayscale. She does. Yeah. She was really, like really uh, like going back to that second episode. Like she's really a uh, lot of exposition about Grayscale from Gilly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Grayscale's been a big deal on the show. Are mm. we really not going to just talk about how uncomfortable that was, though, with Samuel Gamgee? <laughs> I, I don't think we need to. <laughs> we all experienced it. I, I think we can. I think we. What do you think? Keep uh, uh, ding, ding, marry, kill. I don't know what the third option would be. Royd Robin, Samuel Gamgee, and uh, who is it? Was uh, Butterbean? Sure, <laughs> Brent Butterworth. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta marry Brent Butter. <laughs> but you definitely don't ding Sam after that. No, I think you gotta kill Sam. Could have grayscale. Yeah, exactly. That's the real risk. Yeah, kill it with fire. And and listen, if Roy Robin's been working out the way that Roy Robin says, that could be fun. Yeah. Okay. Could, uh, did you like? Did you like the Sam and Gilly stuff this week? It was fine. It was good. Yeah. It was, Not as bad as I am. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, I liked his George McFly moment. And then, yes, um, that boom. Was good. yeah, but uh, they're really yeah. not policing that, um, you know, oath of celibacy at the Night's Watch. You would think that there would be some, I guess, Maester Eamon is dead. He's sort of like the Mrs. Garrett of like it's the Night's new, Watch, right? They're like, hey, what's going on in there? <laughs> like, it's, it's a new, it's a new time, Rob. You know, it's a time of change up on the wall. A lot of the people from the old guard are dead or dying. And, you know, we've got John in charge. John has, has done the deed. Now we've got Sam, who's kind of like in that Maester Eamon spot. He's doing the deed. So maybe we're going to be out on that celibacy thing going forward. I think uh, the rules are more like guidelines. Hey, I think that we, we can break that down. These are desperate times for the Night's Watch. I think that that is a fine rule where, you know, the harder it gets to recruit at things, I, I think you see examples of this all through life where recruitment is down. They say, you know what? Let's this thing that we were sort of drew a hard line on. Let's we're going to we're going to open it up. We're going to we're going to walk it back a little bit. OK, uh, you know, this requirement. OK, we're now you could be this and, and be with us. Yeah. Turn it down. Turn it down. Take so it down. Take it. I think you, can, you should be able to have, you know, a, a family at the uh, Night's Watch now. I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I would I would approve that. married and have kids on the Night's Watch. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> uh, our good friend Brendan of House Fitzy wrote in about this scene that you mentioned, the George McFly scene. Uh, Brendan writes in, I was thinking about the scene with Sam and the two dudes who try to assault Gilly, and I feel like there's a major problem with it, aside from the obvious this issue again. Uh, why the hell is Ghost there? Shouldn't he be with John? What the hell? It seems like a terrible choice to leave your dire wolf behind. Would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe uh, Ghost can go on the boat. Is Ghost, like, very seasick, easily seasick? Oh, John, I I'd love to come, uh, but I, I just get nauseous out on the water. It's not for me. <laughs> That's my ghost impression. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think that maybe dire wolves, they don't uh, like the water. They just anxious. They don't like anxious the, ghost. Yeah. Seasick ghost. That's my impression. They're like Dothraki. They like, they're like the Dothraki. They just can't do it. They don't want to go in the water. Yeah. They don't. But did, you think, did you think it was weird that ghost just like showed up? He just showed up. <laughs> he did just. He did just show up. So, yeah, it, it was very convenient. It really was. He really bailed out Sam because Sam was going to be dead. 
Yeah. You would think that like Ghost and John would hang out together more. I wonder if Ghost is feeling uh, slighted. Yeah. John. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we have that clip of Sam when uh, he tried to uh, rescue Gilly from the episode. Oh, do you really? Yes. All right. Let's hear it. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Whoa. Oh! Surprise, motherfucker. Nope. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Jokes. Oh my god. Let's cut that. Let's cut that. No, no, you gotta keep it. (laughs) How could you ever cut that? You have to leave it in. You have to leave this in. All of this stays, including what I'm saying right now. Oh my god. All right. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, everybody. (laughs) Jokes. Jokes working into the uh, the George McFly scene, huh? (laughs) Surprise indeed. That was a surprise on all of us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's uh, let's try and collect ourselves and move on from there. Uh, Let's stick. Let's stick with Brendan of House Bitsy. Brendan of House Bitsy sent in a voicemail this week. Let's move a little bit south from the wall. Let's go to Stannis's camp. Hi, Robin Josh. This is Brendan of House Bitsy. My question is about Stannis. You guys really think they'll be willing to sacrifice Shireen to the Red God for more power? What would this mean for Stannis as a character moving forward if he did? We've come to know and love Stannis over the last two seasons, especially in the last couple episodes, where he's shown how much he really cares for Shireen. This this act certainly doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for the show itself. They've done really horrible things on the show. But Stannis himself has remained a pretty moral and uh, upstanding character. Do you guys really think he'll be willing to go through with it? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. All right. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at Brendan. I'm still laughing at Dokes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Stannis is going to pull a Dokes on uh, Shireen? Surprise. Surprise, Shireen. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, God. All right. I got to pull it together. I'm All right. sorry. <laughs> All right. So in terms of Stannis, I'm starting to feel like Stannis is in like a bad relationship. I feel like if Stannis was like a, a guy friend, I, I'm starting to feel like uh, Red Priestess uh, might that influence might be time to cut the cord on that. On the, on. Yeah, the moment when, when your friend is saying like, you know, I have this kind of crazy outside the box. It, just hear me out. I, I think this is going to be cool. Um, let's burn your daughter alive. And that way we will win. Like, what has uh, she brought to the table since the smoke monster in season two? Not much. What has she done that has helped Stannis? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. And I think that that's the point. I think, uh, you know, I, I think that she has, you know, she she delivered on the smoke monster, baby. And if she is saying that, like, if we if we toast your daughter, we could make another smoke monster, baby. Maybe he's going to be down with that. You know, maybe, maybe he, maybe he's in on that. Maybe he likes I mean, that. Is that what but. she wants to do? She wants to sacrifice Stannis's daughter. That's what she's saying. Like, not just like, hey, here's a little blood, a little bit of blood. Uh, I mean, if it's just that, then you know, man. Sure. Why not? Why not? Stannis up. <laughs> yeah, but if she wants to kill, I mean, I feel like that would be non-negotiable. But then again, you know, if they lose, they're all going to die anyway. So exactly. Um, but that seems like a tall order. Like what? Because Stannis says, "Like, oh, how about my wife?" Seems like. A how about Celise? Yeah. Uh. Well, you know, in the in 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 the spirit of this question, let's let's move on to to Matt Campbell, who's who wants to keep poking at this issue. Matt Campbell has a two part question about what's going on with Stannis here. 
uh, and frankly, just wondering about how Melisandre has been able to get us this far. So let's hear from Matt. Hello, Sesti the Frog and Josh Belwas. Matt from Australia is here. Two-part Stannis question. First, Davos says they're losing 400 horses a day and they should head back to Castle Black before they start losing any men. It may just be a bad storm, so they could wait it out there. Stannis says, well, they're already halfway there and the Boltons haven't got a firm grasp on the north yet, so now's the right time. What would you guys do? And second... How has Melisandre managed to convince Stannis to bring Selyse and Shireen with him? I'm sure Stannis would have said, I'm not subjecting my wife and child to weeks of trekking through the freezing snow into the heart of war. Melisandre says, well, I have ways to make sure Shireen can stay warm. Stannis says, oh, that's that's intriguing, saddle her up. Why has Stannis not left Shireen and Selyse at Castle Black? Toodles. Doodles, doodles. Boy. All right, so let's let's put ourselves let's let's warg into Stannis. Let's quantum leap into Stannis, as you're so fond of saying, Rob. Okay. Uh, what do we do here? What do we do? Do we do we march forward on Winterfell or do we march back to Castle Black? Did you agree with his logic? I, I just I still don't understand why Stannis's plan was to attack the North from the North. Right. Like, can you explain it to me? Am I what am I missing? It's a sneak attack, right? Sneak attack. Uh, come from the back. They don't know what's going on. So it's, it's is, a, is it because... It's Stoke's it's it's strategy. <laughs> yeah. Is it because that the, you know, um, the Boltons have Moat Kalen and you can't come from the south and the, so that was the only right. way to get to the north was by boat, was to go up by... I got to take a look at the map of Westeros and see how you would how you would get to... I feel like that's the only way to get to Winterfell is to go up to the wall. Yeah, from uh, from the Dragonstone to the Wall. Mm. I'm just taking a look at the at the map here of Westeros. Like that's the o- the only place to get to to shore because it feels like there's like a lot of beach that's like you yeah. know west of where Winterfell is. Like it seems like that's like a really like end around way to go from Dragonstone all the way to up by the Wall. Like why couldn't you? Yeah, land- it's tough. Tough. Yeah, yeah. You know why couldn't you land around like uh? Widow's Watch or Carhold or one of these other Look at places. You busting out a Widow's Watch. <laughs> I've got the map open. Yeah, or yeah. Ramsgate. Ramsgate. Is that real? Ramsgate? Yeah, that's one of the places. Ramsgate Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Like, can, can you, I mean, do you have an explanation of why does Stannis ultimately like in the show they made it seem like oh Stannis is going to go fight the White Walkers. Right. We've talked about this before. We've wrestled with this issue for a while now. And it seems like, you know, if he takes the north, he gets more people. He gets more people to his cause. Those people can potentially help out on the White Walker thing or at the very least, you know, uh, bolster his forces as he's as he's marching south. I feel like he. But that has been an unequivocal disaster, this plan, because he didn't get anybody else at the wall and he's losing 400 horses a day or whatever. Yeah, it didn't work out. Didn't work out well. It's been a bad plan. plan. That yeah. plan for Stannis Manus, who is supposed to be the military Manus. He's supposed to be the guy who's like this great strategic thinker. And it's just uh, it's been a little bit of a swing and a miss. And so uh, Melisandre, this blood is on your hands. This was your idea. Yeah. yeah, her idea. So that leads us to the second part of Matt's question, which was how has Melisandre been able to convince Stannis that we're going to bring Selyse and Shireen along for this ride? Don't you think, like, let's leave them at Castle Black. Well, she showed him the stuff in the fire and was like, yeah. uh, she's just a pretty much, she's like a mummer. 
She's just showing him these uh, these things that aren't true, maybe. Mummer's farce? Yeah. She's a charlatan. A charlatan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. These it's are like heavy a, words you're throwing. A, this is like a long con of Stannis. Mummers, charlatans. Mm-hmm. Big, bigger words than I'm used to here. Farce. Actually, a farce. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, to be continued. We'll see how that plays out. Um, let's let's go to Winterfell. Let's let's uh, let's let's talk about Theon Greyjoy this week. Uh, or really, he he was straight up reek this week. We yeah. thought that maybe we would get a little bit of actual Theon shining through the dirt here, uh, but it turns out he's just a dirty bastard as he betrays Sansa and gets that poor woman flayed in Winterfell. But maybe we're being too hard on Theon. This is a question from Kelly about Theon. Hey, Rob. Hey, Josh. Uh, I was just calling in because everyone's been really tough on Theon lately, saying he should help Sansa and stuff. But I feel like everyone forgets that he was a prisoner of the Starks. Yeah, Ned was like a good guy to him and all, but like, it's got to be hard to be a prisoner your entire life. So should Theon really want to help Sansa at the end of the day? Thanks. Thank you. Mm. What do you think? What do you think of Kelly's question? Should we should we be so mad at Theon, or does Theon have? I feel like we need to conference in Antonio. Get Antonio on the line. Yes. What's Antonio going to say? To say yes, we have to. Theon has to help Sansa. Yeah. That that if anything, you should say, boy, I don't want anything anybody else to go through what what I've gone through. Although, right. first in Theon, in fairness to Theon, like he is a victim in all of this as much as him, even though he was a bad guy. You yeah. know that we you know, can't expect him like he's been through this horrifically traumatic experience too. So, you know, we can't expect Theon to all of a sudden just like not have been going through this experience of torture for the last year. Yeah. No, it's going to, it's going to wear on you. You know, it's going to, I mean, he's a POW at at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, there's certainly a little bit of Stockholm syndrome going on there where he, uh, if, if he doesn't outright love Ramsey, he, he, him and reveres him and all of this stuff. So he's going to go to Ramsey first. But I wonder, you know, what what's going to shake this guy out of it? If if you know, seeing what he saw happen to Sansa last week, if that's not going to be enough to shake him out of his situation, uh, is anything going to do the trick? Yeah, I don't think anything's going to do the trick. Yeah, you think that he's beyond uh, beyond repair? <laughs> I think so. I think with a short of a time machine. Yeah. Get George McFly. Yeah, back. we don't need to get the, another Back to the Future clip out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think the odd is is a lost cause. No more, no more surprises. No more surprises. Right. Yeah. So let's let's get a question in from Robert Lanehart, who has sort of a sprawling question about what's going on in the show overall. Just an observation of something that's popping up in basically every single storyline. Hey, Robin Josh. This is Robert Lanehart calling in with a general question for you guys. In the past few episodes, imprisonment has been a major theme on the show. In King's Landing, Cersei, Marjorie, and Loras are all in cells. In Dorne, Jaime, Braun, all three Sand Snakes, and most likely Olaria are in some form of captivity. In Marine, Tyrion and Jorah are in chains. And in Winterfell, Reek sleeps in the kennels while Sansa is locked in her room all day. What do you guys think is going on here? Are we going to get to the end of the season with every character locked up? Are we soon going to see some great escapes? Thanks, guys. So, yeah. Game of Thrones, Everyone's Oz, yeah, Game of Thrones, Oz. Wow, hmm. that would be. I, I don't know which show is more messed up. Actually, Oz <laughs> and Game of Thrones—they're both really screwed up. Yeah, 
Uh, boy, I don't think we'll end up with every single person incarcerated. Yeah, but there's a lot of people in jail right now. Yeah, or in, or in prisons of their own making. Mm. You know, Cersei and Marjorie are behind bars. You've got Sansa and in, in, in Winterfell. So lots lots going on there. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like a great holding pattern for everything that is going on in the story. Like as long as people are like locked up, like the action can just happen at a more reasonable pace. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely part of it. I think the dragons are in jail. Yes. Yes. The dragons are in jail. Everybody, everybody's locked up. Sand snakes, brawn. Mm-hmm. Lots of people locked up. Yes. We got locked, locked up raw. Game we got to wait. Style. We got to wait until the time is right. Yeah. Hopefully this wait. Sunday. Hopefully this Sunday. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and, and Rob, I think that's going to do it for the feedback show this week. Okay. Oh my God. All right. Well, oh God. this was a very fun show. I think these oh feedback shows have really started to uh, <laughs> hit, hit a, uh, a ridiculous pace, which is probably uh, like what we like to have on all of our shows. Oh, this has been this has been a difficult one to get through with a straight face. Yeah, just to just to be transparent here. <laughs> All right. All and right. Having a hard having a hard time over here, but it's well, very funny. Yes. Very funny this week, Josh. Uh, that you have been uh, working quite a bit uh, these last few months with everything that that you've been doing, and uh, you are are going to be taking a, a much needed break uh, this yes. week. A little bit of a hiatus. I, I am going away. I'm finally taking a vacation. You should look into that for yourself, Rob. Uh, a little bit of a vacation. I'm going to take a couple. I'm not going to go away for a, you know, for a week straight. I'm going to do a couple of day could trips you, could this you ever, Are you ever going to be able to do a, a real vacation ever again? Like a true week away from the podcasting? Josh, here's the thing when I take time off. Uh-huh. So if I take a day off from podcasting, then my wife says, Oh, good. You're off today. You can watch the baby while I yeah. while I rest. Oh, no. So I don't actually it doesn't matter what I do. So I would rather just work. And then because then, then the work is done because then God the, forbid you have to spend time with the baby. No, I don't mind Bob. spending time with the baby. But then my wife is like, well, oh, you're 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 here today. I'm off. So it'd be like it'd be nice if we could just like both like, you know, I could spend time with my wife. And then she's like, you know, hey, you then you take over. I'm out. That's- How's the baby doing? Does he remember his friend? Yes, he remembers his remembers his friend when Josh was here. You know that he was very shy. He didn't want to talk to Josh. I told him that Josh is this is my friend, and he has two cats, and he still talks about my friend with two cats. That's great. Yes, glad I made an impression. Yes, he remembers Sir Pounce at least. Yes, but he thinks Uh, your name is friend. That's fine. (laughs) Friend Wiggler. Yes, that works. Works for me. But yeah, I will be I will be away on on some much needed vacation for myself next week. Uh, so we'll have Antonio. He'll be back on the live show. He'll be with you on the feedback show. Uh, and we announced this on on book club. But Antonio Mazzaro and Jessica Lee are going to handle the book club next week. So uh, lots lots of re- I, I'm really looking forward to hearing their take on it because I know that they're both big book readers uh, of Game of Thrones. Yes. So underreported uh, story. How big of a Game of Thrones fan Jessica Lee is? I feel like uh, that's going to get reported soon. It will be soon. Yeah. Soon you I, you will all know how big of a uh, Game of Thrones fan Jessica Lee is. So we're gonna have something really something we're working on. Uh, here on the podcast on Rob is a podcast in the next couple of weeks. All right. So great. Uh, great, great job, Josh. Uh, if you want to get your voicemails into the show next week, it's postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or send in your questions. G O T at postshowrecaps.com. All right. So, so much going on. We will see you. I will see you live this Sunday night at 10 15 PM Eastern time for episode eight of game of Thrones. 
of this season five. I uh, can't wait to do it. Everybody have a, a great next couple days and uh, we'll be back Sunday night. Take care, everybody.